Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the first in a series of conversations with the motherland offered to you by the Jamaica Baptist Union. My name is Garnet Roper, and I currently live and work in Kitwe, Zambia, in what is known as the Copper Belt Province. I'm serving as a mission partner sent by the Jamaica Baptist Union to serve the United Church of Zambia University in its School of Theology. The University of Zambia, University, the United Church of Zambia University has other faculties in other places in Zambia, notably Lusaka, where the Faculty of Science and Agriculture is located. I am located in the School of Theology that's, uh, and, and I serve as an expert in Biblical Studies, the discipline that I served in for more than 40 years in Jamaica. Many people who are aware of my stay in Zambia often ask me how safe it is. I would like to begin there by telling us that we have badly underestimated and misapprehended Africa and have a distorted picture of Africa. And we need to correct that picture to our enormous benefit. Africa and Zambia in particular is an enormously safe place to be. For one thing, it is safer than Jamaica is in this time of COVID. They have had their spikes and are anticipating another spike in December. But while you are there and have your specific challenges, here in Zambia, besides the fact that social distancing and hand washing and the wearing of masks are observed, you are virtually unaware of COVID. In fact, the only newspaper article I have read recently said that there were 26 persons on oxygen in hospitals in Zambia. And there is a decline of more than 200,000 in the number of new infections. My students are all back in face-to-face -face classes. There has been no incidents of violence, that is interpersonal violence reported in the six weeks that I have been here in Zambia. And I have never experienced a calmer, more peaceful people than the Zambians. They are surrounded by eight other nations with which they are, at, they are completely at peace. Africa is not affected by natural disasters. There are no volcanoes in Africa. There are no earthquakes in Africa. 
I had the time of my life recently trying to explain to my students what the damage done by a hurricane is during the passage of Hurricane Ida. They have had no experience of anything like that. But Africans, including Zambians, do have man-made disasters. I would say that if we took into account the size of the continent, all of us in Jamaica should come to live here in Africa. Africa is three times the size of the continental USA. The Democratic Republic of the Congo, which is about 50 kilometers from where I live, is the size of the continental Europe. What Africa faces, and it is the same thing as what we face in Jamaica, and much of the emerging economies of the world face, is the challenge of the lack of leadership and lack of an enlightened citizenry so that the choices made are in the long-term sustainable interest of their people. The Jamaican Prime Minister recently admitted that his decisions to reopen Jamaica to entertainment events was the result of pressure put on him by certain interest groups. It is a remarkable admission that has cost lives and livelihoods with the most recent spike in the numbers of COVID cases and deaths. In the balance of interest that governs the part the Prime Minister's thinking, the welfare and the well-being of the Jamaican people have played second fiddle to other interests. So to put it in perspective, where Zambia and the DRC are concerned, they also have to decide whether the health and well-being of their people is to be put as a priority ahead of what they stand to earn from, for example, mining. I live, as I have said, in the Copper Belt province. The Copper Belt province is 31,000 square kilometer in size. Jamaica is by comparison 1,100 square kilometer. It is, the Copper Belt is contiguous with the Katanga province in the Democratic Republic of the Congo which is 500,000 square kilometer in size. Between Copper Belt in Zambia and the adjoining Katanga province in the DRC, they are the most mineral rich places on earth. Zambia's Copper Belt has copper buried under the earth throughout the 31,000 square kilometers. The DRC's Katanga province has diamond, gold, copper, cobalt, just to name a few, among other things, throughout the 500 square kilometers. Both countries alike, however, have not solved their own problems. The DRC does not grow the food it needs, and everything it needs is imported from Zambia, among other places, eggs, chicken, maize, mini meal, tomatoes, carrots, cabbage, goat meat, and on and on. It is difficult to make a choice 
to rear goats when you have diamonds under your house. But the people of the DRC are not wealthy, even though their land is. And there are wars and warlords all over the DRC. And many of its ordinary people are regarded as untrustworthy by their neighbors because they go out, they go about stealing food. They have a choice to make about in whose interest should policy and investments be made? Should they be made, continue to be made in the interest of Belgium and France and the USA and Britain and South Africa? Or should they be made in the interest of their own people? They have surplus in timber, in water, in animals. They could feed the world if they were properly developed. Zambia is much more stable than the DRC, but it also needs to sort out its choice of in whose interest it is ordered. I live about 500 meters from the Mindola operation of the Mopani mine owned by the Glencore, the same people that have invested in Jamaican bauxite mining. This past week, in addition, to other things, I made a trip to a place called Mufulira, and in particular to Concoya Township in Mufulira. I also traveled for a further half an hour from there to the border of the DRC to buy African fabric called Chitenge and to visit the Mopani copper mine in Mufulira and survey the damage done to the environment and the community as a result of the mining operations there. I can say this now, and there is much more to be said that will be the subject of a journal article I have written and will in time circulate. Both Konkoya and Mukaba are wastelands created by the mining operations. In the case of Concoya, which is a residential community mining, poorer residential community, no vegetation grows there because of the sulfur dioxide emission from the smelter. Also for the last 80 years, this is according to the ZEMA, the Zambia Environmental Management Authority, carbon sulfur dioxide from the smelter has robbed the people of Mufalira, in particular Concoya, of good air quality so they can breathe. I have every reason to believe, looking at the size of the cemetery there compared to the size of the town, that the life expectancy of the people of Concoya has decreased. They live shorter years, fewer years, and die more quickly. I could talk about the deteriorating water quality, about the deteriorating soil that has been robbed of its productivity and fertility. Ironically, the name Mufulira means place of abundance. There was a time when it had an abundance of animals, of water, and of fertility. Now the sunset is covered with haze. Don't get me wrong, you know. Mufulira is a nicely laid out town where the storm water drains are well maintained. 
It has lovely houses and clean streets. As always, there are few play areas for the children and gardens, but it is spacious and clean. Mukaba is covered with dust generated by the endless numbers of long trucks ferrying products to and from the factory and goods to the border of the DRC. Opani, the investment mining company, has not made the required social investment in the communities around their mines. They may provide the odd sponsorship of sports on TV, but not enough is done to treat their commercial waste and their emissions of toxic gases from their smelting plants. Although they have recently built a factory in Mufalira to capture the sulfur dioxide from the smelter and turn it into sulfuric acid. They need to do far more for their workers. I met a man who told me of his brother who worked in one of the mines who died in 2017 as a side effect from the oxygen deficiency which his brother suffered that he endured while working underground in the mine. There are others who have not received their benefits. It needs Mufaliran, Mupani needs to do even more for the communities around them. Both Mindola and Mufalira could do with much more, not only by way of mitigation of the environmental holocaust being committed, but also in terms of play areas for the children, which are many and have to play on the dirt roads in their communities. They also need investments in community development and compensation for the damage that they have suffered and have had to endure. Copper mining, not to speak of gold mining or diamond mining, is an enormously profitable operation. A single mine can dig up 21 million tons of earth in a single year and from it extract through its smeltering process approximately 500 tons of pure copper which it exports for US $5 billion per year. It is not cheap and they could do far more for the communities and for the people of Zambia. Allow me to say some words about the role of the church in Zambia with which I'm somewhat familiar even if briefly. I work for the university or more precisely a seminary owned by the United Church of Zambia. The UCZ is one of the largest churches in Zambia. It is in almost every town in the Copper Belt. There are substantial congregations. A weekend ago, I attended an infant baptism where there were 200 infants and children baptized. I preached in the Chimemwe congregation of the UCZ um, the following Sunday, which has 2,000 members, most of whom were in church for that service. They have three worship services on a Sunday morning. I preach at the 6 a.m. English language service. 
the other services were held in Bemba, the African language spoken there. The UCZ congregation in Mufalira, the mining town, is even more substantial. These churches are full of young people. I teach a course in Biblical Hebrew, and I have 40 students in my class, all preparing to be Christian pastoral ministers, none of whom is over 40 years of age, bright and committed. Chapel is every morning between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. You want to hear them sing and see them dance and listen to them pray. It is tonic for the soul. Wonderful. I have repeated to myself often, it is good for me to be here. The leadership of the church is quite visible in all areas of the national life of Zambia. And it is not uncommon for, a, for members of the political leadership at all levels, including the president, to attend their congregation for worship and sometimes for special events. I attended the recent installation of the Bishop of the Copperbell Presbytery, Charles Lungu, who has just completed his PhD at the University of Cambridge in England. He is also himself a young man. I think there is an opportunity for us in Jamaica to share with the UCZ some of the lessons and pitfalls from political engagements. Jamaica gained its independence in 1962, Zambia its independence in 1964. Ironically, at the time of independence, Zambia had a population of 3 million people. Now it has a population of 18 million people. They have just elected a new president and a new political party to lead them at their August 12 elections. The, exist the existing Patriotic Front government was voted out of office and the UPND with president they call HH, Akienda Akelima, voted in. He's a promising political figure. He's one who has served a long apprenticeship, both in the public sector and in finance, and in, as opposition leader, having lost six elections before winning this one. He's a quite wealthy man himself and seemed thoroughgoing in his thinking. If I were to leave one word to the people of Zambia, by the way, by the way, Jamaicans, a Jamaican passport can get you to most places in Africa without a visa. I would leave the word from the shepherd and farmer from Tekoa to them and to us. Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a never-ending stream. Amen.